Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And one of the things that is most admired about successful people is that they all possess the ability to act promptly and decisively, especially in times of crisis and decision. With lives hanging in the balance, military leaders must be able to quickly assess a situation and make a decision and carry it out. Doctors are often confronted with the need for decisive action. If they prolong consultation and delay making a decision, it is possible that the patient will die. In business, profit belongs to the one who acts. How many potentially big business deals have failed to materialize because someone wouldn't or couldn't make a decision? Once you get behind the wheel of a car, sooner or later, you will be confronted with the need to make a split-second decision and act now, or there's going to be an accident. Sometimes life and death hinge on our ability to make timely decisions. Sometimes success or failure in other areas is decided by whether or not we could decide and act. There's an old saying that we still hear from time to time that simply says, strike while the iron is hot. All that really means is to act at the opportune time. God has given each of us the freedom of choice, the right to make our own decisions. We can choose our own path. We can chart the course that we want going to follow. We are the captain of our soul, so to speak. But this imposes upon each of us the responsibility of making our own decisions. And let me tell you, the most important decisions will not wait. They demand immediate attention. Those who are older can look back over their lives and probably point to certain times, certain points in their lives, when success or failure hinged on their making a decision and sticking with it. Each pinnacle of achievement will only come as the result of our own decisive action. But you know something, my friends? The greatest decisions that we will all face in this life aren't related to business or to school or to anything that is earthly and material. The greatest decisions we face in this life are concerning spiritual matters. I'm reminded of a statement made by the prophet Joel as he foresaw a time of God's judgment upon the nations that had oppressed his people in Joel chapter 3 and verse 14. He wrote, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. There are those who believe that Joel was speaking of the day when Jesus would die on the cross and multitudes would be confronted with the awesome decision they were going to have to make to be either for Jesus or against this Jesus of Nazareth. Decisive action would be called for. There would be no demilitarized zone, no neutral ground. Jesus himself said, He that is not with me is against me, 
and he that gathereth not with me scatters abroad, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Again, many believe that Joel was looking forward to that time when all would have to take a side, when a decision would be called for, when a decision would have to be made. All today stand in the valley of decision, all of us, in one way or another. What is called for is decisive action. When the prodigal son came to his senses and repented of what he had done, he said, I will arise and go to my father. And he arose and went. And who can forget the stirring words of Joshua? In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, when he said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This clear-cut, decisive action on Joshua's part left no room for misunderstanding and no loopholes for misinterpretation. Joshua was a practical man of faith. He knew how to make a prompt and right decision and to stick with it. The same clarion call issues forth today. Choose you today whom you will serve. And far too many have not decisively chosen. Far too many try to hold on to Jesus with one hand and hold on to the world with the other. They will live for Jesus two days a week and hobnob with the world on the other five. And so doing, they become three times more like Satan than like Jesus. We have to make decisions, my friends. We have to decide about worldly pleasures. Lots of us have made the decision to be a Christian, but we have not decided to leave the world behind. When the pleasures of this world confront us are we in, and we are in the valley of decision concerning them, we've got to make the right choice, and God demands that it be made at once. John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17 the following, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, that he that does the will of the Father abides forever. My friends, think about what we watch, listen to, and read. Think about what we take pleasure in. Unless I'm missing the boat, and I've certainly missed a few boats in my life, if we sit and watch television that is presenting something before us that is as immoral as it can be as entertainment, and we don't turn it off, we're sinning. If we choose to dress immodestly because we have seen the world dress that way and we like it, what are we doing? If we choose not to fulfill the obligation to worship for some worldly pleasure, isn't that sin? We've got to make up our minds. We are in a war that we must win. We have got to make up our minds once and for all. Moses did. In Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27, we are told, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, 
refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Do you remember Paul's words from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10? For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. I wonder in the spiritual realm if that is the epitaph hanging over any of our heads at the present time. Are any of us spiritually dead because of the love of the world? The prompt decision to turn from the pleasures of sin that this world offers is challenging each of us today. And it is not only that we do not participate in that which is sinful, but that we do not take pleasure in watching those who do. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 32, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now is the time to make the decision. Now is the opportune time. Strike while the iron is hot. The great prophet Elijah has also left us with the great example of prompt, decisive action. Challenging Israel on Mount Carmel before 450 false prophets of Baal, he cried out in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 20, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. How did the people respond? Well, the rest of the verse says, And the people answered him not a word. Here was a definite and clear call for a decision to be made between the God of heaven and idolatry. And bear in mind that Elijah was calling upon people who were in a covenant relationship with God to make that choice. There are a whole bunch of us today that have to face up to the same decision. We don't have to bow down to a graven idol to be involved in idolatry. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus said it best in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Think about it. If we all made a definite decision for God over the God of money, I just want you to give something to think about. If God has blessed me with a talent that can be used in his service and I don't use it because of money, what have I done? I'd just like to ask you, when was the last time you heard a Christian mother or father encourage their son to become a full-time preacher? When was the last time you heard them encouraging their daughter to marry a full-time preacher? to uphold his hands and to be the helpmate that will desperately be needed. I've actually heard parents say that they don't want their daughters to marry a preacher. Why? Oh, my friends, money is important and material things are important, and here I don't have complaint one. But those kinds of things are not the most important. Before the opportune moment passes us by, we must make the decision, really, truly, and finally to serve God over the wealth of this world. Failure to make a final decision and a definite decision will only result in ruin. And the things about this God of money and the desire for things is that it is just so insidious and it can happen to us without our even being fully aware. But happen it can. I can't begin to tell you how many times I have seen it happen. 
a man or a woman gets a big promotion at work and that feeds their desire to get more, to go even higher, and more and more of their time is devoted to work-related things and the time given to the Lord suffers. Someone starts his own business and is absolutely consumed by it. This is a constant struggle, a decision that has to be made almost on a daily basis because of the incredible pressure of the world in which we live. But it is a decision that we all must make. We all know the passages and we all know what it says. But have we all let it make a difference in how we view the world and the material things it has to offer? Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Paul wrote to Timothy, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Of course, we know that there is another decision, the most grave decision that will ever confront every person. Pilate gave voice to the question in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22 when he said, What shall I then do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? This is the question that accompanies the gospel proclamation. It is absolutely personal. It cannot be answered by friends or relatives. It is a decision that has to be made by you and me. We cannot look anywhere else for our own answer. God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I believe that the Bible indicates that to delay the decision concerning Jesus is to run a tremendous and foolish risk. The Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Therefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. A person becomes a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ only by decisive action. Paul described it in this way in Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. He wrote, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. The decision must be made for godliness instead of worldliness. The decision must be made to turn from Satan to Christ, from sin to the living God. The decision must be made to turn and trust God implicitly, turning from sinful walking in order to live in obedience with Christ. The decision must be made to tell the world that you believe Jesus is the Christ. The decision must be made to enter into Jesus, to put him on, to obtain remission of sins through his blood, all of which is accomplished in baptism. Now is the accepted time. Now is the moment of opportunity that you cannot afford to ignore or walk away from. Strike while the iron is hot. Has this application to this time and this place. 
let me ask you, my friend, are you ready to become a Christian? If so, when would be a better time? Obey the Lord now. Words to consider. Seriously consider. Thank you for listening.